Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm Eric Bowling filling in this week for Greg while he's on vacation. He'll be back next week for tonight. We have a fantastic show lined up for you. Just check this out in a few minutes. We'll be joined by Eric Trump for the Trump family's first interview since the indictment of Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg. Later on in the show, we'll be joined by Ambassador Nikki Haley and Dr. Ben Carson. So make sure you stick around because you won't want to miss this one, folks. But breaking moments ago, bombshell news. Pleas have been entered in the New York Attorney General's indictment of the Trump Organization and their chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg. Indictments that were handed down yesterday and unveiled just this morning. The Trump Organization and its longtime finance chief, Alan Weisselberg, each pleaded not guilty to charges arising from an investigation into former President Donald Trump's company. According to the indictment filed Wednesday and unveiled this morning, Weisselberg and the company conspired to pay senior executives off the books. President Trump himself, who was not charged at this stage of the investigation, has been jointly pursued by Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance and New York Attorney General Letitia James, both staunch Democrats. Prosecutors claim politics had no role in these indictments, saying, quote, Politics has no role in the jury chamber, and I can assure you it had no role here. Really, prosecutors, no political agenda at all. You could have fooled me. Listen to the New York State Attorney General in her own words, and you decide, folks, for yourself if this was political. I say one name, Donald Trump. That should motivate you. Stop your <laughs> will, you, will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the He's got to know my name personally. Running for attorney general because I will never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president when our fundamental rights are at stake. We need to focus on Donald Trump and his abuses. We need to follow his money. We need to find out where he's laundered money. All of those transactions have happened here in New York City. But the AG wasn't done there. On other occasions, Letitia James continued to foreshadow what she wanted to happen in her courtroom. By the way, before ever hearing any facts about the case. Listen. Legal system where even the most powerful in the country cannot use a loophole to evade justice. We must do our job to ensure that the man currently occupying the Oval Office is held accountable to any and everything he has done. Wow. Not only does this sound political, Attorney General James, it's beginning to sound a lot like some sort of personal vendetta. For the Newsmax exclusive and first reaction from the Trump fam family, let's bring in Eric Trump. Eric, thank you for joining us. So not political, they say. They're saying it's not political. What say you? Eric, it's, uh, I'm so glad you played those clips. I mean, those clips say it all. Uh, we, my father and our family have been under attack from the day he went down that escalator. We have. You saw it all. You've covered it all, right? Whether it be kind of Russia, whether it be Ukraine, whether it be um, the impeachment number one, the impeaching the man after he had already left office. Um, you know, they were never able to get anything. You know, Mueller spent $50 million. They, they tracked my father down. They went through every tax return of his, every transaction he had ever done, everything he had ever said. They went after him and they went after him and they couldn't find anything. And, you know, now it's, you know, New York State, you do the same thing. And Eric, they have spent They've spent literally four years. They've gone through three and a half million pages of documents. They went and they subpoenaed every tax return from my father. Literally between, literally today 
and 2005, I mean, they've gone back 15, 16 years in terms of subpoenaing tax returns. They've gone through three and a half million pages of documents. And, and what do they have? What do they have after all of that? You know, absolutely nothing. They, they have a corporate car and, and, and a fringe benefit. I mean, it is disgusting. And, and Eric, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, and I'm actually, I'm almost sad to see it because the Democrats have absolutely ruined the state. Last week, a little girl got shot in Times Square, and this is their priority. You have a Marine that got shot yesterday in Times Square, and this is their priority. Everybody's fleeing the state. New York is dangerous. I just left New York a little while ago. Their graffiti coming out of the city is out of control. The place is dirty. It's dangerous. Everybody's leaving. The place is totally vacant in terms of, of, of tenants. You walk up Madison Avenue, there's no one there's no one even there. People don't want to be in the state. They're taxing people to death, right? I mean, the state is falling apart under Cuomo um, and these political prosecutors. And what is their focus? Putting mm. their entire office into going after a guy that was a phenomenal president of the United States, attacking his family, attacking his company, attacking a great man, Alan Weisselberg. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal man. You know, going after political adversaries, that's what these people are doing as little girls are getting shot in the middle of Times Square. And Eric, it has to stop. I mean, if people are losing faith in, 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 in the you know, justice system in this country, in the court of law. People are losing faith because they're seeing people weaponize politics. And you know what? I hope the other side doesn't do it back because what that will start in this country is something that will never be reversed. Let's take a look. I, you know, I, I read I read what their the accusations were, Eric, and I got to be perfectly honest with and perfectly honest with my with my audience. They look like BS. I cannot believe. And and we need to point out, aside from the fact that Letitia James for years has been saying she's going to go after the Trump family, which pre. Pre precedes any sort of action. So she doesn't even know facts. So she's almost saying, I have the conclusion, now I gotta go find the facts to support it. What really bothers me, Eric, not the fact that it's chicken, it's, it's chicken feed, these accusations. The fact that they turned it from a civil uh, 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 proceeding to a criminal proceeding, which means under civil penalties, they're, they're, they're money. Uh, you, you shouldn't do this and we're gonna fine you. Criminally, they're actually looking for some jail time of, of, of Alan Weisselberg. I, it just, it blows me away for things that you point out, things that probably 80 or 90% of the corporations in this country do. Ne Eric, never in the history of the DA's office or the attorney general's office have they ever gone after a person for fringe benefits, employment benefits. You know, I'll, I'll have you remember, this is the same DA's office that in 2008, when you had people at some of the biggest banks in the country that were literally shorting subprime mortgages while at the same time going off and selling them to retirement plans and people all over the country, right? So the same people who were selling them, saying what a wonderful product was on their own books were shorting them. They caused an entire collapse of our financial system. Not a single one of those people got, got charged. This is trillions and trillions of dollars worth a financial fraud that literally took down the U.S. economy, you know, almost took down the worldwide economy. They didn't charge a single person, yet Alan Weisselberg, a corporate car, it, it's a disgrace. It, it is absolutely disgusting. They know my father, you know, is thinking about running in 2024. Um, I know what my father wants to do. They want to do anything they can to disqualify him. They've been running under the platform. They've been fundraising off of going after my father for years that's a major, major ethical violation. I mean, you saw Letitia James's own words. It's disgusting. They're, they ruin lives every single day. And I don't know why anybody in this country would want to be in New York. I don't know why any business would want to move into New York State 
when this is what they do, they weaponize politics for their own political purposes. And it's, it, it's, it's disgusting. It's un-American. Sometimes I think we live in a third world country. This should not happen in the greatest country in the world. And frankly, it shouldn't happen in the greatest city in the world. And sometimes I doubt that it is anymore when you, uh, when you see actions like this. You know, Eric, I, and again, I'm not an accountant here, but, I, but uh, so the Trump organization spends money to provide perks to bring in higher level uh, executives. And that's very common. Corporations do that. I do not see how the Trump organization is even included in this indictment. If you want to indict Alan Weisselberg and, and kind of scare him and, and lean on him to see if he'll say something that'll, that'll further open a case into the Trump family or President Trump or the organization, that's a tactic that's very commonly used on all levels of law enforcement. I get that. But what is the basis for, for the Trump organization spending money that's off the bottom line? You're not saving any money in taxes by spending money to, to entice a, a corporate executive to, to work harder. Yeah, well, I, I think you said it right. I mean, listen, this wasn't their goal, Eric. You know what their goal was. Their goal was, you know, my father. They went through three and a half million pages of documents, every tax return he had ever had. They went through every financial deal that he had ever done, and they couldn't find anything. You, you, you think if, if after going through three and a half million pages over four years, they found a single thing on Donald Trump, you think they'd be going after Alan Weisselberg? Of course not. They'd be going after Donald Trump. And guess what? After all that time, they found nothing. You know why? Because there is nothing. We're a really, really good company. We're the best in the world at what we do. We run amazing golf courses, and we run some of the best hotels on earth, and we run great commercial buildings. But, you know, we have a great company with amazing people, hardworking, dedicated people who just want to go to work every single day, you know, work hard and make a great living, accomplish something beautiful, don't want to get wrapped up in politics, don't want to get wrapped up in nonsense, but these people can't help themselves. They do this for their own, you know, uh, politics. You have you know, a DA you know, I, who's it, a failed it, DA. It, it, it strikes me, Eric, that at some point, I don't know if Alan Weisselberg will go to court, if he's going to cut a deal or not, but it strikes me, or maybe the Trump organization, you know, some, there's something called prosecutorial misconduct. I mean, I, I just yes. don't see what anyone in what the organization has done unless they're not telling us something else or or yeah. very fair question here eric are you concerned that they may send an indictment your way your brother's way or your sister's way you know what i'm not eric because guess what you know we, we've always lived amazingly clean lives and believe me if they could have they already would have right i mean that's what they wanted that was their end goal you know the difference is i'm not hunter biden I'm not selling paintings to undisclosed people for half a million dollars a piece. I'm not doing, you know, drugs in, in, in shady hotels. I'm not, I'm not going out and soliciting prostitution. And I'm not going out and, you know, selling influence to Ukraine and China and having lavish trips paid for while, you know, my, my father's commander in chief. No, I'm not doing that. You know what we do? Don Ivanka and I live really, you know, nice, clean lives. And we work very, very hard. And guess what? Long before politics ever came into, you know, our lives, we were in the business world and we were successful and we worked very mm -hmm. hard and we lived mm -hmm. clean lives. And it was very different than the Bidens who were never in business until their father actually got into politics and, and they've milked it for everything it's worth and they still do it to this day. And, you know, Eric, where is the DA there? You know, when, when you have text messages of, 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 of prostitutes and hard drugs and money laundering mm -hmm. and all these other things that are on Hunter Biden's laptop that have been reported, you know, apparently reported so many different times. Where, where's the district attorney and, and where's the attorney general? And, 
Do the scales of justice only go one way? And, and, and I'm asking that. That's a rhetorical that, that, question. That of course may they be, do. Yeah, that, of course exactly. They I was do. just going to say that may be a rhetorical question. Erica, just very quickly before we, we, we're going to lose your time, uh, CNN law contributor Jeffrey Tubin called it this uh, small potatoes type stuff. Jonathan Turley, well-respected legal scholar, said this is probably what he quotes a trophy kill case, meaning the Trump organization or a Trump being the trophy. Michael Cohen is out there on CNN just ripping you guys saying it's, it's all true but i will finish with this i want to pay more taxes said nobody ever eric trump we really appreciate your time and we'll stay on top of it thank you thank you very much eric all right coming up vice president harris is in hot water for something that president biden said he would have no tolerance policy for is kamala exempt and as violent crime continues to surge throughout the United States, one city council thinks the answer for their city is to cut the budget of the police department. Not sure how that adds up. All that next. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. Newsmax, where real news for real people. Millions are turning off the old channels. And switching to Newsmax, the fastest growing cable news channel in America. No agenda. No spin. Just the facts. Millions watches. So can you. Newsmax, we are real news for real people. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. I would emphasize that in Israel and Palestine, uh, this includes crimes committed by both the Israeli security forces and Hamas. In Afghanistan, it includes crimes committed by the Af Afghan national government and the Taliban. That was Representative Elon Omar just a couple of weeks ago comparing America and Israel to Hamas and the Taliban. How is that acceptable by any means? Well, she went on Jake Tapper's CNN show this week and didn't provide one ounce of an apology. Take a listen. Democratic leaders said that equating the U.S. and Israel with Hamas and the terror and, uh, and uh, the Taliban, quote, foments prejudice. Do you regret these comments? I don't. Here to react to all this and more is former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations and, by the way, former governor of my home state, South Carolina, Nikki Haley. Thank you so much for joining us, ambassador. Talk to us a little bit about... Um, what does uh, Elon Omar foment when she makes comments like these, these anti-Semitic comments? There's, there is no gray area in this, is there for you? Great to be with you, Eric. You know, I mean, let's call this out for what it is. Omar hates the Jewish people and she resents America. And she continues to show it time and time again. She continues to do these things that are absolutely uncalled for, that if anybody else did it, there would be huge repercussions and why the Democratic Party continues to stand by and allows her to do this is beyond me. But I'll tell you what this means. As long as the Democratic Party doesn't call her out for hating the Jewish people and for resenting America, that means that they agree with her. And that's the way we have to look at it. We've got to make sure that they know that that's the way we're going to look at it. So not only did they not call her out, Jen Psaki defended her. Take a listen. 
the White House think about Congresswoman Ilhan Omar saying that she does not regret comparing Israel to Hamas and the Taliban? Any attempt to draw an equivalency between the United States and our close ally Israel with a terror group like Hamas or the Taliban is false and unacceptable. Uh, Representative Omar has said that was not her intent of her comments. We did not uh, rebuke her. We thanked, uh, acknowledged that she made a clarification. She clarified it, mm -hmm. and we thanked her for clarification. Ambassador, they're falling over themselves to defend Omar when she herself said, I'm not going to change what I said. They clarified that she hates the Jewish people. They clarified that she doesn't think the Jewish people deserve a home in Israel. I mean, they clarified the fact that they are not going to do anything about it. And I think we need to call them out on it. I think that Republicans are way too nice. If the tables were turned, they would be having our lunch. And the fact that we're standing on the sidelines is not okay. We have to call this out. That includes the Democrats. That includes the Biden's press office that continues to defend her. And that includes every committee that allows her to sit on there. And, and very quickly, before we move on to the next, we know this isn't the first time she shared anti-Semitic remarks. Take a look at this tweet from 2019. Unbelievable. GOP leader Kevin McCarthy threatens punishment for Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib over their criticisms of Israel. It's stunning how much time U.S. political leaders spend defending a foreign nation, even if means. Uh, she goes on to say, okay, it's all about the Benjamins. That is disgusting, disgusting in every sense. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, we, we, we've been talking this week um, about female athletes and the latest on this whole Gwen Berry story. Let's take a listen to her response amid some backlash she faced when she said she when she turned away from the U.S. flag and the national anthem being played. She said this is what it was all about. Take a listen. I never said that I didn't want to go to the Olympic Games. That's why I competed and got third and made the team. I never said that I hated the country. Never said that. All I said was I respect my people enough to not stand or acknowledge something that disrespects them. I love my people, point blank, period. So uh, allow me to, to explain. We've now, in the hindsight of about 48 hours, understand what exactly Ms. Barry was talking about. She was blaming the the the, the championship, U.S. championships, the, the committee that, that puts that on, who put on the national anthem at the same exact time every day. All the athletes know it. She just happened to be going towards the podium at that time, and she thought, for some reason, because she's a petulant child, thought that it was that the, the committee should have stopped the national anthem because she was coming, and they should have known that she doesn't like the national anthem. Your thoughts? I mean, first of all, what is she competing for to represent the United States of America? So uh, two issues with this. First, if you don't want to sit there and say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, then you don't need to represent America. And the Olympic Committee should make sure that no one goes to the Olympics that does not want to represent America. I mean, that it, it's unbelievable. The Olympics is a patriotic game in which America is proud of the people that we send, and the people that we send are proud to to be host to to sponsor America and to and to be um, standing for America. So you either stand for America or not. I think basically she doesn't want to be on the Olympic team. I think the Olympic Committee needs to tell her either you want to go and stand with our flag and stand with our people, or you don't. 
she has a decision to make. But that was just, it was classless. It was rude. It was irresponsible to the people that got first and second place because all of a sudden it became about her and not about exactly what it was they were trying to do, which was a competition. And I think that, you know, she was trying to get attention. She, I hope she doesn't get a single endorsement. I hope she doesn't get a I think, single you know what, sponsorship. Ambassador, I think that's what it was all about. I think this whole thing now saying, oh, no, I don't hate America. I don't hate America. I, I believe that she got so much backlash from corporate sponsorship America, she had to walk it back. And I'm not sure that she's doing any of that. Quick final thought, if I, if I may. Well, I think that, you know, any company that agrees to sponsor her, I mean, there should be a massive boycott of that because I don't want a company sponsoring someone that's unpatriotic and someone that doesn't want to represent America. All right. Final thought. Are you going to run for president? I don't have to make that decision yet. I think (laughs) first part of 23 right now, if we don't win 22, there will be no 24 for president. That's for sure. You know, I'll see you around town and maybe can whisper one of these days on, on, on some weekend at one of the restaurants that we both have frequented. Ambassador Nikki Haley, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Eric. Okay, violent crime has been on the rise in our nation's biggest Democratic-run cities. With that being said, sounds like Biden has another crisis on his hands. We'll talk all about that next. America's Democratic-run cities have seen a huge crime spike within the past year. Looks like Biden has another crisis on his hands other than the border. Let's see what he had to say about the crime recently. Crime is historically rises during the summer. And as we emerge from this pandemic, with the country opening back up again, the traditional summer, summer spike may be more pronounced than it usually would be. You know... That, I do math. I do math for a living. The problem is when you compare it year over year, you can't say it's the summer because you're comparing it against the summer. So crime is spiking. Yes, it goes up in the summer. It goes up in the summer every year. But when it's higher than it was last year and way higher than it was two years ago, stop it. Stop it. You're being disingenuous. Here to join us is editor-at-large at the Post Millennial, Andy No, Andy If anyone, anyone knows, he's also the author of the book Unmasked Inside Antifa's Radical Plan to Destroy Democracy. Andy, welcome. Antifa, a lot of the crime started last year with Antifa in our major cities. Tell us about it. Um, Almost all of the spikes in violent crime can be attributed to one particular event, which is the death of George Floyd and then the riots that convulsed not just Portland, but really the entire country. And ever since then, I mean, the sad irony here is that BLM and Antifa say that they are rioting or looting for Black Lives Matter, but the people who are dying in Portland are predominantly black, uh, as well as the uh, and those who are implicated in the um, violence as suspects are also black. So the riots last year haven't resulted in any improvement for anybody. It's resulted in a city that's been destructed and people dying. You know, Andy, infamously last, I believe it was last week or the week before, New York City decided not to prosecute a vast majority of the rioters that, that, that looted and broke windows and, and burned things in, in New York City a year ago. What signal, what message does that tell potential rioters and looters? 
It tells them that if you are rioting for left-wing causes, that you have the AOK to do so in left-wing cities. The what happened to New York is not unique to New York. San Francisco is the same. Seattle, Portland, all these places where there's been the wave of uh, so-called progressive district attorneys who have come in, who have full discretion. Uh, as elected officials to determine who to prosecute and who to not. Uh, Portland has had more than a thousand people who were arrested over 12 months of rioting, and more than 90% of them had their cases uh, dropped. And these are these include people who are charged with things, felonious crimes such as arson, um, uh, assault, uh, vandalism. And essentially, the message in Portland is, uh, well, we support why you're doing it. So. We're going to let you go. So, 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 Andy, you've documented a, a lot of this crime. You're there. You're at the scene of a lot of these riots. In fact, you yourself, uh, I, I remember the video. You got hit. You got hit hard. I think you had some sort of uh, brain hem slight brain hemorrhaging as well. Um, uh, we're showing it right here. This is you right in the middle of this mess. And then and they're spraying you. And they're hit. That's it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, what happened to any of these people? Were they prosecuted? Yeah, so this happened in June uh, of 2019. We're almost, we're exactly more than two years out, actually. Uh, nobody was ever arrested. And actually, just uh, more than a month ago, at the end of May, I was assaulted again. Um, my The ligament in my knee was torn. I was getting um, contusions on the head. So it's dangerous to cover this. And um, everybody's been cowed in Portland, the, the residents, the police department. I mean, our entire... Um, rapid response team, which is the team that's tasked with responding to riots in Portland, they resign, actually. So uh, Portland and in America are really these black holes of anarchy where mm. criminals and thugs can take over the streets and, mm. and assault mm. with impunity. Yep. At black holes of uh, anarchy. No question about it. Scary. Our streets have become scary. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Mumford & Sons, uh, the band, the band member Winston Marshall. Back in March, Marshall put out a tweet praising your book, Unmasked. And he said he, was, he finally uh, had the time to read your important book. And then what happened? Tell us what happened in the aftermath of that. Uh, well, he's a banjoist for one of the most successful folk bands in the world. And the backlash was swift and severe. And they didn't just go after him. They went against um, other, his bandmates as well. And you can only imagine what type of pressure that places on someone. Uh, at the time, he then retracted the tweet and issued an apology. But in the months since, uh, he was quiet and he released this very beautiful, eloquent and thoughtful essay on Medium where he announced not just that he had quit, but essentially retracted the apology he issued in May and issued and stood by his support of me. And all I can really say is, this man is, this is what bravery looks like because, you know, to build up a successful entertainment or music career and then to, the irony here is he's a singer, but he was silenced before and he would have had to remain silent um, if he had stayed in the band, but he's given up um, the band. Uh, but with that, he regained his ability to speak and to think openly. Have, have you spoken to him since he decided to walk away from Mumford & Sons? I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. I have an idea. I think I know what that's all about. Um, it's, it's, any other... It, do, do you, 
do you find, is he going to, maybe, let me ask you this, since you haven't spoken to him yet, do you think he's going to start another band? Uh what I know is that this man is incredibly talented. You don't become so successful around the world like this without talent. So I think if we, if his detractors thought that this is the end of him, uh, they're probably going to be really surprised. And um, he's also not holding back on what he thinks and his personal convictions are. Well, I, the reason why I ask is that I have a, I have a very large audience who are pro-law enforcement, law and order, who are probably thrilled that this guy, that, that Mr. Marshall stood up and said, uh, you know, I'm for law and order too. I, I respect Andy No for what he's doing there. And I think he, he would probably find quite a bit of an audience with my audience as well. Post-millennial editor at large, Andy No, thank you very much. All right, coming up, Vice President Harris is under fire again for something a staffer accused her of back in 2019 as well. And President Biden said he would have no tolerance policies around for. We have all that next. And the latest on President Trump's rally coming up this holiday weekend. Stick around. We got the details. But I'm not joking when I say this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. That was President Biden during his swearing-in ceremony for his appointees on January 20th of this year. So what do you think changed, old Joe? Reports are coming out of Vice President Harris's being linked to having a toxic work environment in her office, and yet again by staffers. Is Kamala Harris exempt from the Biden rule? Joining us now, Matt Schlapp. Matthew. Take a look at this. This isn't the first time Vice President Harris is facing a toxic work environment allegations. Back in 2019, the staffer said, this is my third presidential campaign, and I have never, ever seen an organization treat its staff so poorly. While I still believe that Senator Harris is the strongest candidate to win the general election in 2020, I no longer have confidence in her campaign. It goes on and on and on. But this is, this, this is a political uh, story that I read last night. I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. So Biden well, set up very quickly. Biden says, everyone's treated with respect or I'll fire you on the spot. Is he going to fire the vice president? Yeah, that's really the question here, isn't it? Which is, uh, there seems to be a double standard for Kamala Harris. Look, I mean, we all saw Senator Harris. She's, you know, a pit bull. She's an attack dog. We saw what she did to Brett Kavanaugh. We saw what she did during those confirmation hearings when she was a senator. She was a prosecutor before that, as you know, Eric. And she has a reputation of being a bit of a bully. And the problem is now she's in this supporting role as vice president, which Having worked in that environment, that's a tough thing for the people in the vice president's office because you're not the top banana, you're number two. You're supposed to help the president be better. And I think they're having a lot of trouble figuring out what that lane is. But what they did on the border 
and never having a proper answer to this question of why the borders are couldn't go to the border. I mean, it's like I don't know how to get out of this hole, but being mean to people won't help. Matt, it, it strikes me. They've been in power about 155 days ballpark or so. And, and, and I'm trying to figure, they really, she hasn't really done anything. All she's done is, you know, made some appearances talking about getting vaccinated. She took 90-some days to get to the border. What exactly, what exactly, after being named the borders are, what exactly is she getting so frustrated about in this office? Well, this is the problem she's having, Eric, is that every vice president tries to figure out what their role is. It was clear that Mike Pence was brought on to be with uh, Donald Trump because he's a no drama mama and he would be the guy to speak to certain important constituencies and maybe do some media that President Trump didn't want to focus on. With Kamala Harris, she's obviously the younger version with this very senior president who doesn't want to do a lot of events. So she's supposed to kind of be the fill-in person in a lot of events, but she's been very wobbly overseas in these conversations when she took her first overseas trip. She didn't do anything overseas to try to acknowledge the problem with this illegal immigration. Then she had this bungle on this domestic issue of how to handle the border. So clearly the White House is having a hard time figuring what do we do with our vice president who keeps putting her foot in the mouth and what do you do? I keep saying this, what do you do with a president that needs cue cards and a vice president that has no clue cards? It's a tough spot. Cue cards, no clue cards. I like that, Matt. But, you know, it strikes me. The left is so into this new woke, this cancel culture. You have to be very, very uh, sweet and nice and can't speak harsh words. Where, you know, they're not exactly leading by example in, in, in the no. White House. Yeah, I love Simone Sanders that basically said other Democrats uh, are racist and won't let us have jobs. But at least in this White House, we can have a job. I thought... Well, that's awfully harsh on other Democrats that they worked for. Look, there's such a, a, a infusion of racism in everything the modern Democratic Party does that all of these personality conflicts at the White House are turning into these charges of soft racism. And what I would invite all the, let me give some advice to the Biden and Harris people. You're in tough jobs and you're gonna have a lot of animosity towards each other. Leaking out to the press how much you hate your boss and how much the vice president is impossible to work for I don't know what you think you're doing, but for us Republicans, we're loving every minute of it. It's popcorn time for us because you acted like it was so strange to have these animosities when Donald Trump was president. What you're realizing is even when the press is your lackey, these are hard jobs. Yeah. There was a uh, staffer in New York Post that had a headline saying staff, this, the headline said it, that she felt like she was treated like SH, the other, the, the, the end of it. Yeah. Um, Oh, there it is. Number two reports claims Kamala Harris staff feels like they're treated like that. Right there, right there. Um, Matt, let's move on to a quick uh, quick thought on what to expect at the Trump rally coming up this weekend. He'll be in Sarasota, Florida. Of course, we are going to take the coverage full here at Newsmax, unlike Fox, but we took it last time. We're going to take it again. Um, 6 p.m. Eastern starts here. Uh, what do you expect from this, this one? Look, I think the president is, it's good for him to get back on the road He's rediscovering his voice at this very important time. You know, him reemerging is what got Kamala Harris to actually visit the border. His trip to the border is doing a lot to expose the fact that the policies coming out of the Biden administration are wrong. His trip into these states to support 
candidates, including going against candidates that voted for impeachment, which was really a disgraceful moment for those Republicans, uh, is very important. I think you know he's going to be speaking at our CPAC event in Texas. I just think that the president is doing something unusual for Republicans. He didn't just leave the field. He's still going to be on the field. He still has a voice, even if they try to cancel it. He's still the most dominant political player in the country, even when they're trying to do everything, including prosecute him and persecute him. He's not going to go away. And I just think it's a great thing. And I'm glad he's out there. And I think the more he's out there, the more he's going to rediscover why his voice is needed at this time, even different from the last time, because now he's coming forward again, not just as this outsider, but he's coming forward to someone who's experienced how to do these policies, and he can explain why the Biden policies are so wrong mm -hmm. and get back to Congress. Got it. Got it, Matt Schlapp. Always good to see you again two weeks from now in Dallas, I guess, uh, at CPAC Texas. And also don't forget our coverage this coming weekend, Saturday in Sarasota. Everybody watch Newsmax. They are going to cover the rally. That's what we're all going to be watching. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Matt Schlapp, everybody. Thanks, Eric. All right, we just got over the COVID pandemic, but the critical race theory plague is our next wave of concern. It's infecting our school system and more, our military, our athletes. What's behind it all? We'll break it down for you next. Critical race theory has been the huge hype on the left, but the biggest concern to those on the right, we've seen parents speak out against it and states banning it within their school system. So what is critical race theory exactly? The founder of the theory, Kimberly Crenshaw, defines it as this academic discipline that seeks to understand how racism has shaped U.S. law and how those laws have continued to impact the lives of non-white people. I don't know. Not sure I buy that. Let's see what my next guest thinks. I want to bring in former HUD secretary and the great doctor, Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Carson, if you could, to the best of your ability, can you can you define critical race theory for us? Yeah, it's an attempt to use race as a mechanism for redefining our society, redefining what it was based on and how it impacts everybody. And it wants our people to believe that your race is the most critical determinant of who you are and what happens to you in our society. In other words, it's a bunch of garbage. Mm. Um, it, it strikes me, and, and these are some old school, you could almost say Marxist tactics, uh, communist tactics to not just divide the country, but to divide it the Opposition. In other words, if you can divide the opposition, you've split them in half and, and, and you're going up against a smaller, two smaller groups. Your thoughts on that? Am I, am I right about that? Uh, you're absolutely right. You know, the only thing that can really destroy our country, our country is a magnificent place. Uh, it can't be destroyed by Russia or China or Iran or North Korea, but it can be destroyed from within. There's no question about that. Uh, that's what Jesus meant when he said a house divided can't stand. Lincoln reiterated that. And we need to, to recognize that we, the American people, are not enemies. I'm probably in a unique position when it comes to race and that I'm also a neurosurgeon. And, you know, when I peel that scalp back and take that bone flap off and open the dura, I'm looking at the thing that makes that person who they are. It's not their nose or their hair or their skin that makes them who they are. It is their brain and the way that it processes information. That's what determines your character. That determines 
exactly who you become. And I can change who you become by taking out parts of that brain and manipulating it. And, and, and isn't that what's happening here, Dr. Carson? The, the media, the culture, the environment is manipulating how people's brains are, are firing. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, it's what you put into it is what you get out of it. The brain is like a supercomputer. You program it and it responds accordingly. And it was uh, Vladimir Lenin who said, give me your children to teach for four years, and the seeds that I plant will never be uprooted. Uh, they know the importance of getting into the school systems and indoctrinating the young people, and that that will have a permanent effect. We're already starting to see the seeds of that. You know, last summer, with all the things that were going on in Portland and Seattle, a lot of those young people are coming of age now. They've been taught to hate the United States, mm. hate who we are. Mm. And, uh, you know, if they were taught the true history, they would recognize that this is a time to celebrate who we are. Yeah. And particularly in the black community. You know, when I was a kid growing up, it was a big deal when some black person came on television in a non-servant role. Mm. And now you have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and presidents of universities, even Ivy League schools, a black president, a black vice president. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Doctor, very quickly, can we roll the soundbite of a, a, a co-founder of BLM in 2015 saying this? It's striking. Take a listen very quickly. We actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we... Uh, are trained Marxists. Um, we are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories. Very quickly, doctor, if you don't mind, just a quick thought on a BLM founders admitting we are trained Marxists. Well, they had a lot more material up on their BLM site before people started noticing that it was there and that it was antithetical to American principles. Um, you know, they're welcome to their Marxist ideologies, but I would challenge them to show me a nation where that has been successful, and, and particularly one where it has been anywhere near successful as the United States in terms of elevating the standard of living for people and giving people opportunities. Yeah. It's never worked. Dr. Carson, before we go, I want to congratulate you on your new grandbaby, but uh, it, it, that's awesome. Asshole. Congratulations, sir. Thank, thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Former HUD Secretary Dr. Carson. All right, coming up, guys. Ready for this sketch? Which bill was released from prison? One reporter had quite the slip-up. All that next. As we all know, Bill Cosby was released from prison yesterday after the Philadelphia court overturned his sexual assault convictions. BBC News covered the story, and you might catch a little something off about how they did it. For the last two years, this has been where Bill Clinton has called home. But tonight, he will sleep in his own bed after the bombshell decision by Pennsylvania's Supreme Court to overturn his conviction of sexual assault. Did you catch that? Bill Clinton, they're referring to the wrong bill there, BBC. Sorry about that. Sometimes that happens. As I said earlier in the show, Greg is away on a nice vacation right now. He'll be back here next week, but we want to hear from you. Where do you think Greg Kelly is? Give me a call at 
601-0032. It's toll free, I promise you, and I will listen to them. And let us know where you think Greg, Greg Kelly is. Make sure you tune in tomorrow to find out if your guess was right or close. Stand by right now. Stinchfield next.